Welcome to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. I'm Hardy White. Join me now, won't you, for a full hour of radio. Well, and I got to be honest, it's not always a full hour. I never go over, but I go a little under sometimes. I find it very difficult to precisely time it to the hour, and I apologize to the other DJs for that. But it is when it is so close to being right around an hour long, including this introduction, which I think is 52 seconds, if I'm not mistaken. Captain's log, lady, my dog, and I woke up and had breakfast. We had, uh, dang, what was it? I should do these things in the morning. Then, I'm embarrassed to say, I watched nature cams for like an hour, because you know space really gets to you. And then, uh... Captain, please come to the bridge immediately. Uh, give me five minutes, I'm right in the middle of this damn log. Captain, it's urgent. Roger. I'll be there right away. All right, what is it, Mr. Lou? It's a Remison ship, Captain, and they're hailing us. Are our shields up? Shields are up. But theirs aren't. Should I open communications, Captain? No, (laughs) not yet. Let them stew a minute. But, Captain, we don't even know what they want yet. Well, maybe neither do they. I'm gambling that they hailed us before they even thought things through. What the hell? Answer the damn phone. Oh, okay, good point, Lieutenant Butchie. Ensign Don, open a channel to the Remison ship. Hello? May I say who is calling, please? This, this is... is... No, no, you, no go. you go. <laughs> no, you <laughs> go. All right. This is Remason Commander Spatake. Am I speaking to the famous Captain Hardy? Well, it's Captain White. Hardy is my first name. Uh, you make it sound like I'm a children's show host. Oh, sorry. In our culture, the first name is the surname and the second name is the given name. Oh, I'd be White Hardy, like White Hardy of the Anti-Pixies. Anywho, you are quite the celebrity on Remus. Really? Oh, yes. Your exploits are known throughout the galaxy. Doubt it. Wow, okay. Well, thank you. You made my day. Your what? My day. Oh, the amount of time it takes the Earth to rotate. How in the hell am I supposed to know that? That seems like extreme minutia. Oh, well... Well, it's a small but considerable amount of time. Uh, Do you have time measurements? Oh, yes. We measure time by the endurance of the great fragrance, the amount of time between spraying on your perfume and when you can't smell it anymore. We're a smell-focused species. Oh, that's great. I'll get to the point. Because you are famous, you have come to represent something to people who have never met you, and subsequently have formed relationships with you in your absence, with absolutely no input from you, and yet expectations have been created. Entitlement has ensued, and we demand your presence on our planet for the celebration of Hartyfest. Um... It's just 50 endurances. There will be films and... Uh, listenings and panels and things, and you just answer some questions and pose with some folks, and a lot of them are probably going to want to make out, so bring some mints. Now, hold on. I have done nothing to promote myself like this. Then why do you do your popular radio show called Captain's Log? What? Captain's Log. It's broadcast throughout the universe daily. You share all sorts of intimate and embarrassing information about yourself, which endears you to many. You can hear that? I thought that was my private audio diary. Oh, my God, really? Ah, you had the thing set on broadcast, I bet. Now, hold on. I I take responsibility for this, but I have to respectfully decline. You ingrate. No, 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 I appreciate the whole thing. Fire glue-on torpedo ray. No. Wake up, White. You're dreaming. Oh, wow. Hey, Lou. I thought I was... Famous on a spaceship. Want to be funny and dead. It's better than funny and dead. You can cannibalize the
thing in the morning. It's good blood, too. I just got back from New Orleans, where they add chicken blood to their blood to stretch it out, and now they've developed a taste for it. Well, this is fresh squeezed. From whom, may I ask? A beloved school teacher, whose students will cry and moan with grief at her demise, and through whose pain we may grow stronger and sow terror. Who wants sausages? Man, listen to this. This is a crossword puzzle clue today. Blood-sucking ghoul. What the heck? Yeah, I remember when I was human, they'd say, hey, beer-guzzling blowhard, and I'd say, thanks, bigot. I need blood to survive. I know, same. Stuff like this is dispiriting. Is the answer even vampire? Let me see. Five letters. No, it's not vampire, then. Do you have any other letters? First letter, B. Oh, and last letter, H. Hmm. Second letter, U. Third letter, T. Butch? Maybe. No, butka, uh, that's a K. Wait, no, that could be a C. I feel singled out. Well, you are a blood-sucking ghoul, strictly speaking. So what? I still take it the wrong way regardless. I'm coming for whoever wrote that clue. Oh, listen to this. The editors of the local newspaper crossword puzzle are going to be at PuzzleCon. Oh, we should totally go and kill and cannibalize them. I'm in. No, wait there. I have a better idea. Let's teach them a lesson by turning them into vampires. Then we can make the daily puzzle into a hypnotic device to bring victims to us. We never have to leave the house again. Delivery? Full contact delivery. What a dream.
There is water in the air, and your glasses fog over when you walk in. And then among all the plants and the trees and the water are trains. Trains going in and out of plants, in and out of small buildings, around in circles. Empty. And all of it for Christmas. In a small shed next to the garden. The fake manger. Our people. People. Staring at a manger scene with live animals. But a doll, Jesus. Jesus and a donkey. Jesus and chickens. Cold. And inside. Flowers. Trains. And plants. Flowers. And moisture in the air. Trains and plants and moisture in the air. Presenting the award for best sound, Butch Spinoza and Lou Register. Sound is all around us. It is something that we hear with our ears and it lets us know things that are happening sound-wise. Sound is a very important component in all sorts of things like radio, too. Here are the nominees for best sound. Blue Beauty. Honey White Sound. I have to go after her. Not in this song, you don't. But Blue Beauty. Blue Beauty can take care of herself now. The Hotel Show. Hardy White. Sound. He opens the lock. Enjoy your stay. Uh, thank you. Uh, I don't need to register or give my name? Believe me, we know who you are. Fake Ozu thing. Hardy White, sound. You must be very lonely. Yes. I would be very lonely if I was an old man like you and my daughter moved out. Yes. Fractured fairy tale, Monkey King. Hardy White, sound. One day that stone transformed into a stone egg, and from that egg hatched a stone monkey. I'm a monkey made of stone! When the monkey stood, light shone from his eyes, and the whole world shook. And the winner is... Hardy White, Little Monkey Hotel. slow-moving dancers or chance meetings with branches of black family but not family. Farms on the edges of the cliff fall off and harm skull takers as driftwood is made from the layers of meanings and charms on the counter of Japanese shrine gift shops. Move in on atrocious bombers that glom on to marvelous souls. Cables blind where they sit. Whole villages of pit vipers or baboons or a menace in general like lunacy or mad anger disease. 
These are the names of the people who showed up for their shot or their neighbor's building moving need. Freed of the chains of car tables and seating assignments and cafeterias. Gone are the days where magazines swatted people for their gullibility. Fraught are the endeavors of the deceptive because their world requires such detail. Manufactured from the need to deceive and the minds of the many absorb the water of the stagnant imagination. Watch the fellow with the magic green cape fly above the street on strings. Bring the cake to the sidewalk and walk around until someone takes the cake. My head is your ship's bathroom. Two racks and two sinks for the runoff of disappointed hearts. Dangers are strange, urgent, carefully built clocks in a range of a rare bullies building blocks. Emotional cloud weapons and wealth. Safe one now, nor save wrong more layers or levels or whatever they're called in games. The same as cards, rules for a short period, and then laws and fools realize the sway of Mima's in-law's rage. Arranged like a pet funeral or a garden trial. Read most of the ceremony from the same page, then turn dirt and also paper for a while. I am not a famous spaceman, nor am I a famous vampire. Thank God. That is proof that prayer works. Because I specifically remember saying I don't want to be either of those things. There's a whole list of things I don't want to be known for. One, everything. So I don't really have to make the rest of the list. I don't mind being known among my friends. That's fantastic. And among my friends, I am known for pies. I am known for not having made any recently also. So there's some disappointment there. But I like that. I'd rather be known for something that I interact with other people close to me with. So being good at cards, which I'm not known for. I'm known for liking cards, which is lovely. I think that's fine. You don't have to be the best at everything. And there are plenty of people who have played sports and everything that have given so much pleasure to themselves and others through the sports that, you can, and you don't know their name. And you'll, you'll never know their name because they can't all be in the Hall of Fame, which is getting so big now, they're going to have an actual room for it instead of just the hall. And I think that's smart. So oh, when we started, we just had them in the stairwell. And now the awards have spilled over, and it's a grand ballroom filled with awards. I love that. I don't mind awards as long as they um, say, you know, to occupant. I love that. I get things in the mail all the time that say, to the current occupant of this address, we would like to thank you for your service. Because I must have served something at some point, right? And this is true. And uh, even if you're serving yourself, you're serving a percentage of the populace. And there's no, don't diminish that. Don't ever put yourself down. Oh, my goodness. Unless you're on, uh, let's say you're on Ed Sullivan in the 50s. And then you think, oh, that's a fantastic, look at this edgy new comedy where you put yourself down. Comedy started where, I think with like jesters, and the jesters would mock the king what I, this is, I think, a fact, but I've just learned recently that some of the jesters got killed. You know, they think, oh, you know, they have a past and everything, but I think occasionally the king would just like, head, take your head off. So I don't know really what the jesters' job was. I think jesters were te uh, treated really like modern day TV comedy writers in that, you know, just, uh, just keep being funny and you'll be fine. The minute you aren't, you're gone. So that's something, there's a hierarchy, you'll never be king, is the message. Uh, so you, your existence is just to make me laugh and entertain me, fool. You know, dance for me, fool. And there's plenty of people who love lining up to be fools. I would like to, I would love that. I would love to be mocked by somebody in power and then give them some delight. And then, and then they also take great joy and delight in my demise. That'd be fantastic. <clears throat> So I could bring pleasure no matter what. Oh, here I stand now saying people don't know me, and I know they do, from listening to the radio and saying, I know who Hardy White is. and not are you, are you putting down the people that do know you? No, I'm just saying it's not. I think it's different than fame fame or celebrity celebrity, and you know the difference. Come on, let's not be obtuse. You know the difference between Tom Hanks and... Uh, 
and Shinola. So this is what I'm saying. You know, you can, I, don't, I, I know there's a TV weathermen that are better known than I, and I'm fine with that. And you say, oh, you're just, it's sour grapes. It's not sour grapes, my friend. Give me some advantage of having people not know you know you, but have just think they know you or something. That's what fame is. It doesn't correspond to uh, riches or power even. Nothing. It just means that, you know, you're, you've been turned into a fictional character. You've been made into something else and you're living a life in others' brains and people that you have no interaction with. That's different than a coworker. You know, so, oh, I'm inside so-and-so's head. Yeah, but you got to see them. You can work things through and everything and you still have some say in their lives, some input, some influence. Not so if you're, you know, the Edward Robinson of someone's imagination. Now, I'm not putting myself on the same level as Edward G. Robinson. No, I'm not. I'm not. Am I, though? I don't know. He's gone now. I'll take his, you know, I'll take his place. No, I don't want to be unknown. Here's another thing. I'm not super emotionally strong. I can't imagine actually being in, like, uh, you know, doing something that you do to acquire celebrity or something. What is that? See, I'm just stuttering around. Uh, because it's the, the pressure and everything. Oh my God, my anxiety would be off the, off the scale. I can't even imagine. I'm not, I'm not capable of any, doing any of that. And uh, this is it. I can talk. I'm talking to a microphone and I pretend it's a personal diary and nobody's hearing it. That's it. That's all I do. And occasionally I get email and I go, what is this? And uh, no, it's, that's not true. People do contact me and end up being friends. Especially if you live in a town that I don't have any friends in. And then you become my, uh, my little Marriott or whatever. So I try to get friends in all towns so that, you know, have some, have you some place to stay. Um, there's, I, I love you, but there would be criteria as far as coffee. And coffee situation, I got to know. That's an awfully dependent. I know, it's stupid, but, you know, and the older I get, I just wanted to be there in the morning. And even some hotels, it's not enough. And uh, I remember I was, I was up for the WFMU marathon, and I was staying in a hotel. And the coffee was, I've never been in a hotel like this. The co First of all, the coffee in the room you expect to be bad. And then I went downstairs, and it was like there was no public coffee. And I said, that's really odd. And they had a restaurant down there. And I said, can I get one of your coffees to go? And, you know, and they, they looked at me like, what? Okay. And they gave one to me like no one had ever asked. And it was repulsive. And I'm not sure if I said coffee or if I said, I'd like some water from the Hudson River. I'll just heat it up. And then, I don't know, spit in it. But there was a coffee place. Next door was the PATH station. That stands for PATH station. And it's where you take the train into the city. And then back again, maybe. And then there's a, you know, there was a little walkway. And there was a coffee place there. And I got, I learned to do that. But I had to walk there in my pajamas. Actually, I sleep in the nude. So I had to go downstairs and walk past that it, naked, completely naked. And this is in March. It's very, very cold. And I remember um, being in the coffee place, and I'm the only nude person in the coffee place. And here's the, thing, here's the great thing about uh, New Jersey in general. Nobody's looking at me, which is lovely. I th no one noticed me. I didn't get hassled. Um, I didn't even get, it was hard to even get waited on. I couldn't, you know. So, uh, but then I go back to the room, you know, and drink my coffee like I normally do. And you eat a... Uh, fistful of drugs or something in the morning watch some classic movies relax and that's not i gotta have that in the mornings i know i can have that at your house and uh, now here's the thing now is that is that hardy white telling you that like if i was to show up would, would that be would i would all that be true you know who is the who is the me that we are making in the distant head together the distant head yeah, somewhere, a, a, a bathroom on a ship. You and I are there. What are we doing? We're hiding. <gasps> what an adventure that would be. I would just do that. You know, I, here's, a, here's the thing. If I was on the Treasure Island ship, you know, the little boy was hiding away there. He was on a ship full of pirates, and he, he 
chose to hide in an apple barrel, which is really strange, because I would just go to the bathroom, there's in the head, in the bathroom, hiding there, because I don't think pirates use it. It just doesn't seem, it seems like they'd use it for the first couple of months at sea or whatever, and then it would become absolutely unusable, and they'd just go over, they'd say, we'll just do it over the side. And um, so you just go, you know, hide in there. And these magazines and all sorts of things. We can stay in here the whole journey and be stowaways. It's wonderful. I, I love the uh, imagination like that. Now, uh, you don't have to take credit for stories that you create either. There's no art that you really need credit for. See, I want money for it. Lots of ways to get money for it. Just sell it. And then um, someone will give you money. And maybe you want a reputation, so I want to, well, have it small. This is my advice. This is really Epicurus. I'm not mine. I'm not talking. I'm talking of Epicurus, a philosopher. And, uh, you know, this is a, he said, live obscurely, which is like, just let your friends and all know who you are. Don't live in that. And it's also great. It's very much the same as a crime family. It's a criminal enterprise. Very Southern European way of thinking. And then I love it, you know, and say, so, hmm, I just... You know, my friends know who I am and my reputation. So whose house would I need to go to if I had this kind of emergency? Or who would I call if my basement flooded? Not Hardy is what one of the things they would think. And um, try to be consistent. I know, why are you giving so much advice? Because um, I'm trying to be off-putting. Try to be consistent. You know, if you know you can't be helpful in a certain situation, don't make no attempts. Say, oh, well, you know, I want a company this weekend. You go, oh, I could come over and keep you company. If you know that would be a disaster and you can't do that, go, no, never call me for that. I'm for pies. Just know what you can contribute. You know, don't try to be all things to all people. Hardy. How about if I just talk to myself? See, I think that that's better if I'm just giving advice to myself, which I am. I don't know you. How can I possibly be giving advice to you? That's what scares me about people on the, uh, you know, persuasive people. Saying, you should do this or that. And, and they're giving advice to people they literally don't know. You know. So how can that be valuable advice? Advice is not, general advice is pointless advice. So you know, you ought to, if you have a dream, you ought to go for it. To a what? To a psychotic murderer? What's the dream? It matters. I don't want my psychotic murderers to be motivated. I want them to start questioning themselves. So I say, never question yourselves. Well, that's not a good, no maxim is going to do it all the time. That's why if you're involved in the lives of others, you can be involved in the subtle adjustment and the uh, subtle learning and growing together. Instead of depending on uh, solution, bumper sticker solutions and things like that, or, or the, uh, I'm going to join that organization because they say, you know, here's the five, the five things that can bring you to mental health. Hi. My name is uh, Dr. Lawyer Hardy uh, White. Smith Mines. A lot of letters after my name. And I would like to introduce you to the what I call my five principles of healthy living, both healthy physically, mentally, spiritually, capability. I've made a bunch of things. That I've made up the umamis of emotions, emotions you didn't even know existed. Now, what are they, salty, fishy? And I'm going to help you navigate that in your life by giving you some hard and fast rules. One, never, never. And you can apply that to anything, really, never. And put anything after it. But just make sure that you negate a thing or multiple things. You know, just have things that you avoid. Two, do it, do it, do it. There are some things that you should suppress and some things that you should execute, that you should live out, that you should act out. So pick a thing like that and do it. Three, shemp. I don't know. I'm See, I'm making things up. I, you're not going to be, it's not going to help you. Shemp might. That's what shemp represents. What does shemp represent? Well, why is it, why'd you, did you pick him as an icon? Me? No, no that's like a half a generation before me. Um, latched on, as I did, because I'll tell you why. Here's the thing about the Three Stooges, and I've said this a lot. You know, in the early days of television, there was more television than there was 
shows. And so when they started uh, saying, well, we can uh, show children shows on the television, they really didn't have any. You know, so they had, there were some local shows, you can come up with that. So they started showing cartoons, but they hadn't really made any cartoons yet, so they showed the cartoons that they used to show before movies. You know, like Bugs Bunny and all that. Popeye. So Popeye. And all that was from the, you know, the movies. And you go in the movies back in the day, even the, you know, silent days, the end of the silent days, and they've had that, that weird uh, bopping up and down Mickey and everything. So, you know, those cartoons went on. Now, eventually, you know, come the uh, early 60s, they started cranking out some poorly made cartoons. But the other thing that they went back and aired were Three Stooges shorts or two reelers. They were a good length, you know, if it like 12 and 15 minutes or something. And you, you put those on and they're like kind of cartoon length and that'd be, that'd be perfect. So a generation grew up watching this. I mean, a couple did, you know, the people in the theaters, but I feel like it didn't affect them the same way. But it hit differently for the uh, another generation, and uh, they developed some sort of parasocial relationship with the Three Stooges, I'm speaking personally, too. And they began to maybe uh, learn about them. And the, the, the beautiful thing about the Stooges is they have their kind of uh, iconic, you know, they've got... Uh, a look, stylized. You can make a cartoon out of them. They each have a special signature haircut and all that. And um, there's a certain fascination with the fact that there was uh, the third stooge would change over the years. So there's the curly, you know, but there's also the shemp, uh, the, uh, another sibling. And shemp is the only one, really, that had an acting career outside of the Three Stooges. See, he was in other people's shorts too, and he was in movies and everything he had because of his kind of rough-looking face and strange demeanor. He he was a, a an extra, You're not an extra. He had you know speaking parts and everything, but um, outside of the Three Stooges. And he's an interesting guy because there's a certain sadness in getting laughs off of your face, off of the fact that people think you're homely or ugly, the fact that your hair is crazy or you're nuts or anything. And uh, there is, it is possible to have a kind of an epiphany and realize that you can have this global appreciation. So you can start to appreciate the, the person who's doing it and see the character as sort of a separate, um, you know, iconic uh, sort of, a, a, you know, paradigm. <laughs> I'm not making up words now. I'm not making up words. I'm just using them wrong. Uh, I... I so that's what I mean, archetype kind of thing. But that's not the right word either. I don't exactly know what I mean. It begins to represent something, a symbol, and uh, a style, a face, and a person, and a fun thing to say. And when you have something like that, you can kind of adapt it. It no longer becomes the person Samuel Horowitz. It becomes... Uh, more like a legendary thing, a character that we all know, and like a Robin Hood sort of thing. Even if there was a historical equivalent, that's not what we think of. When we think of Robin Hood, we think of uh, the cheesy old actor, or we think of some cartoon fox or something like that. And the same goes with Shemp. So Shemp didn't set out to be uh, Shemp, a, a strange underground comics icon or something. He just ended up there, and it was because of uh, a niche that he happened to fill. But thank goodness, I'm not sure that Samuel Howard really had to endure, you know, a lot of the uh, the downside to it. I wonder if the, I don't think the Three Stooges were sort of like people would descend on them and go, oh my God, the Three Stooges! I mean, and by the time they were popular with kids, they were elderly and, and they were frail and... Uh, and people did seek them out, you know. <laughs> it's always that, you know, I called up my uh, childhood hero. And they're in an they're old folks' home. And 
I got through to them, and I interviewed them for my, my college radio station. So people do that. I think I'm talking about somebody specifically, but I won't pretend I'm not. Oh, my goodness. Isn't it fantastic? We, um, yeah, it was the, the, the three, uh, Full House guy did that, the late Full House guy. I believe he called one of the Three Stooges in high school or something and interviewed him. Bless, that's nice. He says, someday I will be part of a three-person comedy team like that, and then I'll die unexpectedly. Maybe didn't think that part. Well, you never do. But that I should know who this human being is without ever having met them is very strange to me. And I hope that I don't defame them or say something awful. See, that's the thing. You know, you think you own them or something. You know, remember that famous guy died like this? Start talking about him and their family hears you and they go, oh, talking about Papa. And it can get very sad and very tragic because the celebrity is, is gone too far. And so now you have people that think they know someone who's not present. Now, I'm going to do a special experiment. Now, I'd like to, uh, not long ago, I saw a mentalist. Now, what's that? What's a mentalist? Is that somebody, is that like a mental hygienist? cleans your mind for you? No, but you should see one of those monthly, maybe even. Every six months, crazy. What am I, made out of money? I saw a mentalist and they would guess what you were thinking, you know, and it was, it was wonderful to see. And I noticed that the mentalist had done some subtle, not really subtle, because I was trying to figure out how he did it. So he did some really pretty blatant suggestion first, which is great. So, um, suggestion, then you understand that people, um, you know, how people think uh, collectively. Or, um, you know what you have to know to be a mentalist? You have to know what the most popular answer on Family Feud would be for any given clue. Do other people understand me? Other cold reading people understand me. Now, um, so I've watched this, so now I'd like to try to do a little connecting with you remotely now this also has a lot of uh, the men who stare at goats the movie and remote viewing i've talked about it before but i'd like to try it now this is very strange to me because i am doing it over time because you're probably not hearing this live because we have a there's a 24-hour delay because i say i say curse words a lot and they have to sometimes they can't figure out if they're curse words, because I say them in a different language. So there is a lot of research involved. And so the kids, the, all the interns at WFMU go through my shows. They look for what could be objectionable. They look it up. They take it out. They leave it in. I want to be able to now sort of see you. What am I going to do is I'm going to describe someone I see, a listener, and something that they're looking at. All right? And... Um, I'm not going to say, oh, I see somebody with a head and they're looking at a radio. I'll be, I'll try to be as specific as possible. Now, it might though still be cryptic, but it's designed to have the person who I'm talking about know that it must be them. Now, I don't want it to be anybody. If it happens to be somebody who knows me or we know each other, don't respond to this. This is only for people who have never, we've never met. We do not know one another. And I want you to concentrate right now, even now, even though now is in the future. Isn't that bizarre? So I'm going to give you a series of numbers. Uh, one, two, seven, eight, nine, one. One, two, seven, eight, nine, one. And I want you to think one, two, seven, eight, nine, one. One, two, seven, eight, nine, one. Just like that, in your mind, right now. All right, not out loud. One two seven eight nine one, and what I'm going to do is describe what I see, and if you think it's you, I want you to contact me. Either do it in the comments, or you can email me later. I can you get Hardy White Show at at yahoo.com, and um, uh, contact me that way or through the comments. I am seeing something. It looks like somebody's look at maybe at their bracelet. It looks almost like a like a Fitbit. It's a bracelet like that, but it could be 
like a bangle bracelet or something like that. As I said that, you raised your hand up a little bit. Somebody has like that on. It's the left hand. I'm now seeing you're wearing a ring on, your, on the pinky of your left hand. It's red. There's something spider-oriented adjacent. There's a, either your hand is near uh, something that looks like a spider. All right. And the third thing is kind of a comic book face, like maybe like a wolverine. Actually, it looks like, a, like an ant face. It looks like the the ant in the, the thing or whatever the movie, not the thing, the movie, the fly. That's what, no, it's a fly, fly face from like maybe the, the movie, The Fly. Now, I know that's really strange and uh, maybe it doesn't make a lot of sense. If you think I'm talking about you, I want you to say, Harding, now how did you do that? Are you looking through space and time? And I would say, Yes. So, you know, we'll discuss what just happened, if it indeed did happen. Now, why did you do that? In the middle of talking about living obscurely and Epicurus and everything, why would you talk about that? Because I want to discuss something else that Epicurus said. Epicurus said, don't eat fava beans. And the reason you don't want to eat fava beans is because the stalk of the fava bean is hollow. And that stalk is a conduit for the dead who are buried beneath the ground for their spirits to shoot up. It's like a vent, you know, it's like a gas vent or something. So there's spirits coming up through that hollow fava bean uh, straw. Now, this is something that can be imagined. He didn't have any sophisticated tools back then. This is all something he did intellectually. It's all through thought experiments he figured this out. No subtle measuring devices, nothing like that. They did not have the ghost detection technology that we have today. And so there was no EVP or anything like that. So, uh, you know, don't eat fava beans. How about that? Isn't that something else? So you shouldn't eat them anyway if you have uh, favism. I'm not making a joke. Oh, that's the artistic movement. No, it's a genetic condition. And um, you can't eat fava beans, but you have a higher uh, immunity to, um, what is it you get from bitten by mosquitoes and everything? So that's pretty good, right? Malaria, that's it. So you might not be able to eat fava beans, but... You get some protection against malaria. Now, in Southern Europe, that could be helpful. And, you know, if you can eat the fava beans, well, that's, that's great. You know, enjoy your, uh, your felmedamus, but you probably don't have any kind of natural immunity to that. Oh, life is wonderful, especially if we pay attention to pre-Socratic philosophers. No, I'd, I kid. Pay attention to me. You must listen to me now. Listen to this show. Be intrigued by it. Say, oh, it's interesting me because you talk about one thing, then you play some music, and then there'll be kind of some kind of little skit. Don't say the word skit. We really are going forward at a good clip, aren't we, deck peasant? It's bosun, sir, and I we are. What do you suppose makes this ship move forward like this? I'm fairly certain it correlates with a good, strong, steady wind. Wind, eh? Yes, Captain. I'm not so sure. What's your theory, Captain? I think we are being pulled along by angels using invisible ropes. Very soft ropes, too, like a satin, but invisible. The reason is, I saw this image in my head and I said, Oh, enchanted and magical beings of the spirit world, guide us to our destination. And now they are. That may very well be. For redundancy's sake, though, we are using maps and a sextant and a compass. Hmm, superstitions die hard, don't they? 
Not even sure we should live without them. What harm does it do for you to do your little calculations on your charts and all? Whither the invisible toe angels may tug. True. I'm not blaming anyone because I know it was the ship's wheel come to life and crawling around like a spider. But my left glove is missing. It's on the ship's wheel, Captain. Oh, if it had been a tankard of ale, it would have bit me. When I was very young, I went to one of those strange hybrids of a baby's nursery and a school called a nursery school. And it had one of those names like Shady Nook or Little Garden that could have also have been the name of a pet cemetery. And I would go there for a few hours each day to get used to being separated from my family and experience what it's like to be around humans that don't unconditionally love you. To me, it was sort of a day prison where I experienced what it was like to have a lack of privacy in the bathroom and be forced to lie still on the floor like we were hiding from soldiers or monsters. Now, granted, I was a shy and frightened child generally, so the strangeness and loneliness of this experience was amplified. When I refused to go out to the playground with the other children and hang out with the teachers, this was perfectly normal behavior. I mean, the teachers had been civilized already, unlike the dangerous and ignorant mob of four-year-olds throwing sand and being emotionally confusing on the so-called playground. When I got home that first day, I tried to convey to my mother what a house of horrors this baby prison was, how we were forced to potty in plain sight of other children, how we were forced to lie still, how other children displayed disturbing and animalistic type behavior, their shrieking and sand throwing, and to top it all off, there's an old man there with a hook for a hand. In my telling, I implied that he might have been a pirate, just so the story would be emotionally truthful, if not factually correct. The old guy who mowed the lawn and fixed things did have a prosthetic hand. Now, this was not my first experience with a handless adult. My great aunt only had one hand and could peel a potato faster than two-handed folks, but she never wore anything on it, and also I was terrified of her for the first few years of my life. One day, when I had again refused to go to the playground with the rest of the kids, a teacher thought I might like to see something since I was interested in talking about birds. She brought me outside, and there was the pirate. He looked a little less scary close up. He was hanging something on a tree. It was suet, he said, for the birds. And though he was not overly friendly, I saw him taking time to care for the birds. And I learned something. I had to overcome my fear and ignorance. But when I did, guess what? I learned. I rose and everyone rose. I froze like everyone froze. I froze in dead roses and everyone loses. Everyone loses cause everyone froze
Hey gang, what crimes are we going to solve today? How about the one against humanity that is the shirt you're wearing? What's wrong with my shirt? That shirt is so loud, it causes visual tinnitus. It's so hideous, no one will notice your face, which is good. Well, wouldn't they look away? Oh, no, it's like a car accident. But instead of dead people, it's colors that don't go together. And composition that leaves you feeling disoriented. So, no crimes until you change. No crime solving. Whatever. Speaking of crimes, the old porterhouse is haunted. That's not a crime. They say it's because old man or woman porter was killed there. Nobody was killed there. No, Lou may be right. I heard there was a murder there, too. Oh, well, that confirms it. We got two corroborating rumors. Well, we can easily look it up. Or break into the house and investigate. Oh, brother. You don't know the first thing about breaking and entering. I know. I know that you do, though, Butch, so I'll defer. Thank you. Here's the plan. We walk in the front door. Well, what if we're discovered? We pretend we're burglars. What now? They'll be terrified. Or shoot us. I doubt it. They figure nobody wants to come in there, and they are correct. But the love of mystery trumps morals. Absolutely. You in, Hardy? Uh, I'm changing. I'll meet you. Welcome to the Liminal Space Backroom's Haunted House. There are many rooms to explore. And they're all empty. Not a soul to be found. <laughs> no mere mortal can last here long since nothing happens. Prepare to be driven crazy by ambient hum. Had enough yet? Is it too same? Is this some space between worlds? Or is it a world unto itself but not very interesting? Did you ever go to like a bus station that you know is going to be empty and just sit there in the chair at night? No, nor have I. Terrifying. I did have to work at one very early in the morning, and I would get there at sort of 5 a.m., and it had that vibe, but I had enough to do where it wasn't really terrifying. Like this is. Are you ready to leave?
I got steam, heat, and gas. I got steam, heat, and gas. I just wrote that. It's um, it's my uh, pajama game theory. It's called, and it's a new musical. Oh, I hope you can come to it. Here's the thing: I won't debut it until I know there's a date that all of us can agree on. Imagine if things worked that way. It never happens. I've done things like that. Hey, let's all, do you want to go on vacation? Yeah, let's all go together. Well, let's come up to a date we can all agree on. No, never do that. Pick a date, and then the chump who can't make it can't make it. That's just the way it goes. Because otherwise, it'll never happen. You must always, always just settle on something. And on all aspects of your life is my advice. Just, just pick a thing. I think that about... Um, Pick a thing early. I tell kids, stick to it and don't change. You go, what if I'm not good at it? Too bad. I mean, you know, but you will, you might be when you're, you know, really old because that happens too. Do something long enough. Boy, I was just listening the other day. Oh, I could, I want to do this for you. It's a, it's not a dead on impression, but I just memorized a little bit of it. Oh, shoot this thing. I'm overwhelmed. Here you all done come to see me. There are three questions I'm asked wherever I go. The third question is, did you really play football at Mississippi State? Yes, I really played football at Mississippi State. The second question, is Marcel Ledbetter real? Yes, Marcel Ledbetter is real. And the first question is, I forget now. Oh, I used to, I had the whole Jerry Clow routine memorized. What's the most common? Oh, uh, I don't know, man. I forget now. Yeah. Are you? It's funny how you remember stuff and then you do. I, I, I used to have um, that memorized for a reason. Why? Well, because Jerry Clower started as a fertilizer salesman. And telling stories was a way of getting sales. Right? So people come to, you know, oh, dang old Jerry, I like him on buying fertilizer, funny man. So, you know, he persuaded people. And he didn't start till really late. So he didn't become really a stand-up comic or whatever the heck he was until I think he's like in his 50s or something. So if you think you're, I don't know, if you've been doing it the whole time, don't switch to stand-up comedy if the, the, these, all these years have been spent, let's say, alone on a boat. I mean, maybe you could be funny, but if you have been sort of entertaining people by being a rabbi or a school substitute school teacher, then possibly stand up. The stage is the place for you to go. Oh, my goodness, we are uh, near the end of our time together. Uh, both literally, figuratively, everything. Mostly just the end of this hour. And I've had a great time visiting with you. I hope you've gotten a little something out of it. And you enjoyed the show. It was put together by a whole team, just me. I love you so much. Thank you for joining me. You have been listening to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White on WFMU, East Orange, WMFU, Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County in New York City, New York, and online at WFMU.org, Worldwide Freeform Radio, the way only the owls can come on home now. You say what? Oh, thank you for joining me, and I will see you again next week.
Twins niggas ever need. Twins niggas ever need. 